0: Nobody else even noticed. <laughs> Good morning, guys. So last week, I, um, during the introduction time, I noticed two couples who, uh, who have come to our church for a long time and had never met each other. And I thought, that is weird we're such a small church and so many people don't know each other. And so my intention is to immediately rectify that situation. So what we're going to do is every single person in this room is going to stand up and you're going to go find a couple people that you don't know and you're going to know them. So uh, you go, feel free. So, break. Go. Now. Now. guys sorry sorry I'm sorry bill um just so I don't get asked a whole bunch of times afterwards when you see me limping um, I hurt my leg I uh, I forget I forget how old I am I forget that 50 isn't very far away. And uh, I was fooling around with my boys, and um, one of them went running, and I went chasing after them, and I kind of launched off, and uh, my calf just like pop, 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 and then I limped. So uh, so that's what happened. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, um, we come before you this morning, Lord. And Father, we just, we're so needy of your, of your spirit. And of your presence, Lord. And we pray that you would just meet us here this morning. That you would fill us with your spirit. That you would touch us, Lord. That you would empower us to be bold, Lord. And just to to proclaim the truth of your word. Again, we just ask that your spirit would just just be among us. We pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. I was, yeah. it's my it's my calf, not my hip. <laughs> you know, last what a difference a week makes, huh? It was so smoky last week, and um, you know, I uh, I woke up, I slept like two hours between Saturday and Sunday last week, and I just my my lungs were burning, and uh, my eyes were watering, and it was just so miserable, and um, and. So I woke up in the morning after my two hours sleep, and I said, let's, let's leave, Denise. Let's go. Let's get away from the smoke. And um, so after church, that's what we did. We got in the car, and we drove until there was no more smoke. And um, we stopped in South Dakota. And uh, true story. And, and it, was really, it was really cool. You know, we, um, we went to the Black Hills, and we went to Mount Rushmore, and um, it was just a great, great time. While we were there, we, um, the, the morning we got up to head to Mount Rushmore, we, 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 we're, our, our hotel was by the freeway, and we got ready to go, and I saw this giant circus tent there. And I looked at this giant circus tent, and outside of it, it said, Trump Town. And they had this big, like, Trump bus there, and this big Cadillac, the Trump Mobile. And he went in there and just had all, these, all this stuff. And then, um, so we went in and looked around, and then we went to this... Um, to this little town right outside of Mount Rushmore. And, and every little shop there was selling all these like, all this Trump paraphernalia. And I saw this one shirt, it was President Trump's face on, um, on Rambo's body. And he's holding this RPG and there's this swooping eagle and this F-16 going across the background. And um, <laughs> it was very clear to me that this was a, a, a red area. Right? It was very clear that this was most definitely a, a Republican stronghold. And it was interesting, as we went from area to area, you could really tell you know, which areas were more liberal and, and which areas were more conservative. And I was struck just by the, um, the kind of the difference there. And then on the way back, we heard the news that, um, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had died and like three minutes later, the Republicans are announcing that they are immediately going to get a new um, new Supreme Court justice to replace her before the election. And like 12 seconds after that, the Democrats say, well, if you do that, we're going to burn the city down, you know. And so all this stuff is going on and, and a lot of very polarizing issues. And I was just thinking about this, how much hostility there is on on both sides. And those of you guys who are older remember um, that rivalry between Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali, right? Always just attacking each other. Right? That's kind of how this feels. Right? And and largely the, the divide is between the right and the left. And it manifests itself in some other areas as well, but it's mostly a right versus left issue. And I don't know if we as a culture have ever been as divided as we are right now. And, and I don't know if um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever split firewood. You know, you take that big mall and split the wood, but sometimes you get a, a, a round that's just real knotty or not knotty like bad, like it has knots in it. Yeah, it's got and it's you know, it's it's just hard, and you can't split it. And they have these big wedges. And, and you take the wedge and you smack it with a, with a maul or with the, with the backside or a sledgehammer. And you, and you drive it and every time you, you hit that wedge, it goes in deeper. And, and it spreads the pieces further and further until finally the, the round just splits apart. And I was just thinking about that. And, and I feel like that's such a such a fitting analogy for our society today, isn't it? There is... There's this division, and then someone or some force keeps driving that wedge in deeper and deeper and deeper, forcing this split to get wider and wider, forcing this this division to to occur. And then, listen, I know that, that we all have some very strong opinions on what's going on in the world today. Opinions on politics, opinions on culture, opinions on on the church, if they're doing the right thing in in the face of politics and culture. And I think that we, as the people of God, need to be careful. We need to exercise caution. And, And we always need to make sure that we're standing up for truth. Of course we do. We get that. We know that. But I think that there's a sense that we also need to, to pick our battles wisely. And we need to be careful that we're not needlessly alienating those with whom we're hoping to share the gospel with. We need to be careful that we're not pushing away those people that the Lord is calling us to minister to. Because the further further we we, we force this division, the harder it is for us to be agents of the gospel. The the further that division widens, the harder it is for us to share the gospel with the other side. And, and, And I think that we need to remember that those people who are on the other side Those are the very people that Jesus came and bled and died for. And frankly, as I look around the room, most of us are are pretty conservative here. Not all of us, but most of us are are pretty right-wing. And and I don't make any apologies for that. I'm very conservative, very right-wing. But I recognize that that is not my identity and I've said this many times before that as a Christian as a disciple of Jesus you know my allegiance isn't to a party I before I'm a Republican or a Democrat or a libertarian or 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 an independent or whatever I'm a Christian. And it's not like, oh gosh, I'm a Christian here and I'm conservative here and I'm... Right? It's miles apart. You know, I'm a Christian way before I'm anything else. My identity is not in who I vote for. My identity is not in what party I'm aligned with. My identity is not in my my social or political affiliations or anything like that. And if if Towing the party line ever conflicts with my faith? There's no conflict for me. It's not like, oh, what am I going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to side with my faith over politics every single time. And we need to always be that way. And we need to remember that our identity is wrapped up in Christ way before anything else. And here's the thing. Those people who who hold views that can sometimes seem so repugnant to us, as I said, those are the very people that we're called to be salt and light to. Those are the very people that we're called to love into the kingdom. Those are the very people that we're called to minister the gospel to. And I don't know about you guys, but it's very easy for me to sit back and to watch the news, you know, and you see what's going on in the chop slash chaz last month or whatever it was, or the stuff that's going on in Portland, or or all the the nonsense that Antifa is up to, and, and it's very easy to look at that and just to to judge those people and to write them off and just to simply be done with them. But those people are people who need Jesus. Those people are people who need to hear the gospel message. Remember Matthew chapter 9? You can go ahead and turn there if you want. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came. And were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he, Jesus, heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick go and learn what this means i desire mercy and not sacrifice for i came not to call the righteous but sinners jesus says look i didn't come for those who have everything together i came for the sick for the broken for the for the messed up and look what he says He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. You don't call up your doctor and make an appointment, and the receptionist says, you know, what do you need to see the doctor for? What's wrong? Oh, nothing. I'm healthy. I just wanted to come by. No, you call when you're sick. You call when there's an issue. That's what Jesus is saying. And the religious people, they came by and said, look at Jesus. Look at your Messiah, look at him, he's he's hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with with unrighteous people. And and to be clear, this group that was accusing Jesus, the Pharisees, historically, they were very right-wing. The Pharisees were the conservatives of the day. The Sadducees would have been the liberal party of the day. And so, so these very religious conservatives they are saying, who does this Jesus think he is? He's supposed to be this, this holy man. He's supposed to be a prophet. He's supposed to be a, a teacher from the Lord. If he was really from the Lord, he would know what kind of people he's hanging out with. And Jesus overhears this conversation. And again, he says, For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus goes on, well not goes on because it was earlier, right, in the Beatitudes and Matthew 5, and he says, blessed are the peacemakers. And I don't necessarily think that when Jesus says blessed are the peacemakers that he's talking about being a referee when your brother and sister get in a fight. Right, he's not talking about you know, when, when co-workers are arguing and you try to, that, that's not the idea here. He's talking about those who help lost man make peace with God. He's talking about those who help people find inner peace through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul tells the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and he's starting in verse 11. He says, therefore, and we're going to read 10 verses here. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving cause to boast about us. So you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. Verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. And then he says, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, who for their sake died and was raised. A big passage. And in that passage you could do week after week after week of Bible studies. But here's the essence of what Paul is saying. First he says in verse 11, out of our fear of the Lord, out of our our great reverence and respect for God, he says we do our best to persuade others. We do our best to lead others to Christ. And he goes on and he says, the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ compels us, it says in some of your other translations. And at this point, as Paul is writing 2 Corinthians, he has been in ministry for a long time. Right? He has traveled the world sharing the gospel. He's traveled the world starting churches. And he's been beaten. He's been whipped. He's been stoned. He's been shipwrecked. He's been thrown in prison. And Paul says, all of that stuff is because of the love of Christ and our deep desire to make him known to you. And he goes on in verse 14. And he says that Jesus died for all so that we might live in him. And then he says this in 16. And this is kind of one of the main reasons why I'm reading this passage. He said, from now on, therefore, We regard no one according to the flesh. From now on, he says, we are not going to look at people as they are naturally. We are going to endeavor to see people through the Lord's eyes. We are going to endeavor to see people with spiritual eyes. And that's really the opposite of how we operate as people, isn't it? When we, when we meet somebody new, our first instinct is to sort of to size them up, right? And it's kind of just what we do. You know, first we look at people physically. Oh, she's attractive. Oh, he's, he's kind of ugly. She seems pretty smart. Oh, he's, he's not the uh, sharpest tool in the shed. You know, and we, we kind of go, oh, look at, look at the shoes she's wearing. Look at her purse. You know, she must have money. Oh, he's got an old Nokia flip phone. He's probably pretty poor. Or, you know, whatever. You know, and, and she she must work out. She's in shape. He must be, you know, and all these things. And just kind of how we how we process people when we meet them. And, and that's sort of the whole purpose of a job interview, right? You you when somebody applies for a job, you bring them in and you you kind of you judge them to see if they're a a good fit for the position. You know, you look at their. Their qualifications and their experience, and see if and and you you basically you pass judgment. Yeah, I'm going to hire you, or no, I'm not. Or you could think of it like this: this is, this is sort of the whole um the whole premise for dating sites, isn't it? You know, I was I was trying to find the names of some dating sites to drop the names, and and they're like there's hundreds of them. You know, they, even Christian ones. There's there's Christian Mingle and Equally Yoked, and there's there's one for. Farmers, and there's just all kinds of crazy stuff. And, but the whole purpose of that is so you can look at a whole bunch of people at once. You can look at their, their profiles. Oh, you know, she's pretty. He has a good job. He probably makes money. Yeah, you know, and, and the whole point is to, to quickly assess and judge a, a whole bunch of people. And, and again, I'm not saying that job interviews are wrong. I'm not saying that dating sites are wrong for single people. Well, what I'm saying is that we are sort of hardwired to judge people. And not necessarily in a condemning way, but we're hardwired to, to make judgment calls based on observations and, and available data. But Paul here, he says, look, we're not going to do that. In the spiritual realm, we're not going to make these snap judgments. We're not going to use worldly criteria to judge spiritual things we're not going to judge anyone according to the flesh and then he goes on famously in verse 17 and he says therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come now it's very easy for us as Christians to look at someone who who just came to faith to look at somebody who just got saved and say look they are They're new creations. The the old has passed away. You know, we are not going to regard you according to flesh anymore, as it says in verse 16. We're not going to hold your past against you. You've been forgiven. You've been justified. You've been bathed in the the riches of God's grace and His mercy. You know, and we, we embrace those people and say, welcome to the family of God. And that's right that we do so. But do you know what we fail to do? We often fail to look at unregenerate man this way. People who aren't yet born again. We look at them very often and only regard them according to the flesh. And we fail to see what they might become in the Lord. We fail to see what the Lord might be doing behind the scenes in somebody's life. We, we fail to recognize the the spiritual potential that people who aren't like us might have. You know, we we look at people and you know, look at him. Look at her. You know she's a sinner. You know, look what look what wicked people they are. And you're right. They are wicked. But are they any more wicked than you were? If the Lord hadn't injected himself into your life, would you be any different than they are? Would you be any better than they are? We, we often forget as Christians where we came from. We often forget as Christians that apart from Christ, we are utterly hopeless and helpless and lost. That apart from Christ, we're still in bondage to our sins. There's a story. In the 1600s, there were some prisoners that were being led away to be executed. And there were a couple of Christians, a couple of religious guys who were, who were observing these proceedings. They're watching this group of prisoners be led away to the gallows. And one of the guys was sort of scoffing at the prisoners. and he sort of this attitude of, you know, good riddance. These guys there, they're getting what they deserve. I'm I'm sure glad that I'm not like that. I'm sure glad that I'm not one of those guys. And the guy, John Bradford, who's sort of the point of the story, he, he looked at the guy and he says, but for the grace of God, there go I. And I think that that is such an important principle for us to remember. That apart from the grace of God, we would be in the same position as everybody else. It's so easy for us to condemn people. But the truth of the situation is that if it weren't for God's grace in our lives, we would be in the exact same position as the people that we so easily condemn. And and I want to look back at verse 19 again there in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. First, Paul says that through Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. Second, Paul says he's entrusting us, you and me, the church, with that message of reconciliation. Other translations say that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. God has called each one of us as believers to be ministers of that reconciliation between God and man. He's called each one of us to be peacemakers, as Jesus said. If you're a Christian, that's your calling. Therefore, Paul says in verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is using us to speak His message to the world. He's using us, His people, to help other people be reconciled to God. Now look, I know that we are in Acts right now, and we've kind of deviated off course a little bit this morning. But just kind of. I'm going to kind of bring it back around right now. And I know that you guys who are um, Star Wars fans, you'll understand this. Right? There's the nine movies, right? And the nine movies basically follow the story of the Skywalker family. And then there's these other ancillary movies. There's Han Solo and there's, um, you know, Rebel One and all these other ones. And, and, and they're not part of the main story, but they sort of fill in the gaps, right? They give you more information. That's sort of what we're doing today, right? The passages we're looking at, it's not directly connected. We're not teaching Acts chapter 8, but it's related. In the last couple chapters, we've been introduced to this new character, this new player, right? Saul of Tarsus. And imagine for a second that you don't have any knowledge of the Bible, no knowledge of the New Testament. You've never read through the book of Acts. You've never skipped ahead to the end. You've never read any of the epistles. You're just reading through. So far, Saul is clearly the bad guy, right? He is set up to be the protagonist. He's he's the villain of the story here. In Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter 8, We find Saul leading the charge against the church. We saw him oversee the murder of Stephen. We saw him hold the coats of the mob as they threw rocks at Stephen until he was dead. In Acts chapter 8, we find him ravaging the church. Some of your translations say wreaking havoc in the church. He's going from door to door. He's going from city to city, hunting down believers throwing them in prison, forcing them to recount their fate. Right? Saul clearly here is the, he's the villain of the story. Right, He's the sheriff of Nottingham of this story. He's the, he's the bad guy. And, and this seems like it's sort of what Saul was born to do by his own admission. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So Paul says, look, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I followed all the rules zealously. I was blameless. I hunted down the church. I I defended my faith. I, I defended what I believed in ruthlessly. This was a man who absolutely hated the church. He hated Jesus. He hated Christians. And here's the thing. Here's the kicker. Saul, in doing all of this, he believed that he was honoring God. Remember, um, I don't know why this analogy just popped into my mind. but Remember the Blues Brothers? Remember they're in the church and the sun shines down and what did he say? I'm on a, I'm on a mission from God, right? That's Paul right here. As he's doing all this, he believed that he was on a mission from God. As he's persecuting the church as he's throwing the church in prison. Take a look around us right now. There are a lot of people in the world who stand in direct opposition to the revealed Word of God. And without stirring up too much controversy today, look at the stuff in our our culture. You know, people condoning and supporting this gender transitioning of of eight-year-olds. You encouraging gay marriage, supporting late-term abortion and partial birth abortion and the list of of depravity just goes on and on and on. And then we, as the people of God, stand up and speak the truth of God's Word so often we're shouted down as as small-minded bigots and, and homophobes and this and that. And here's the point that I want to make. I would venture to say that most of those people, they believe that they're right. right? They believe that they're standing up for, for virtue and, and, and equality. right? I, I believe that most of those people, they think that they're standing up for righteousness. Just like Saul in Acts, with all of his heart, he believed, that he was doing the right thing. But we know that that, that Saul was, was spiritually blind. He had no spiritual understanding. And, and, and it's the same thing today. These people are standing up thinking they're doing the right thing, but they're, but they're spiritually blinded. And the point that I'm making is this. When we are looking at, at the other side, when we're looking at those who, who so passionately hold Views other than our views, we need to be careful that we're not regarding them according to the flesh. Look at that person. Look at how wicked they are. Look at the things that they're doing. Look at how they're fighting against the church. Looking how they're pushing back against the gospel message. Look how they're against Jesus. It's very easy for us just to, to write people like that off, to judge them according to flesh to judge them according to their actions. But you know what? That person that we're so willing to write off and condemn and say, fine, go. That person could be the next Saul of Tarsus, right? They could be the next Apostle Paul. And in sharing the gospel, in loving people, we need to be like the, the farmer, like the sower in that parable, right? We need to be spreading the seed of the gospel everywhere we go. We need to be indiscriminately sharing the word of God with everyone that we encounter. And we aren't responsible for whether the gospel takes root or not. We aren't responsible for whether or not someone's rec- someone receives the gospel message. What we're responsible for is proclaiming the gospel. And not picking and choosing, according to the flesh, who we share it with. Oh, look at that guy. He's got his life together. He's conservative. I bet you he would be a really good Christian. I'm going to go tell him about Jesus. Yeah, I would go share the gospel with her, but she looks like she's too far gone already. She's got blue hair and tattoos, you know. Look at how he's dressed. Look at the music he's listening to. You know what? I'm not going to bother with them. But you want to know the reality? When Jesus was selecting the 12, he didn't select any priests to be apostles. He didn't select any scribes, any Pharisees. He didn't pick any leaders of the synagogue. He selected fishermen and tax collectors and zealots. A zealot was a terrorist in those days. No one would have looked at the 12 and said, you know what, that is an, that's an all-star team you guys have there. That group is going to turn the world upside down. No one looked at the 12 and said, I bet you they're going to write the New Testament. I bet you they're going to be the founding fathers of the church. No one ever looked at Peter and John, that that crusty old fisherman and that, that young son of thunder, and said, you know what? They're going to be the pillars of the church right there. They're going to revolutionize the world. Nobody looked at those guys like that. Except Jesus. Jesus did. He didn't get caught up judging them according to the flesh. He saw their spiritual potential. So all that to say, listen, we need to be careful who we're willing to just write off. We need to be careful who we're willing to, to judge and, and deem as, as worthless. And, and I want to encourage you again as we, as we close. be be indiscriminate with the gospel. Share it with everyone. Share it in all that you do. You Don't judge people by their outward appearances. Don't judge people just on their behavior. Oh, you know, look at them, they're sinners. Of course they're sinners. Why wouldn't they be? They don't, they don't know the Lord yet, they're not born again yet. Of course they're sinners. And if I can be so bold, what's your excuse? You know the Lord, and you still struggle with sin. Why wouldn't they? Why would you expect an unbeliever to attain a higher standard than than we hold to ourselves? We need to share the love of Jesus. We need to share the gospel message. We need to preach the repentance of sins, and the message of reconciliation to a lost and dying world. And we need to be careful how we judge people. And we need to endeavor to look at people through the eyes of the Lord. And that's not an easy thing. Right? That takes the Holy Spirit. So I just want to encourage you in that as we close to seek God, to share the gospel, and to love people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, um, thank you for choosing us. Because we're like the disciples. There's nothing redeeming in us. There's no reason that you should have chosen us, except that you're good. And Father, we pray that you would help us to extend the same grace to other people that you've showed us, Lord. And help us to be agents of, of grace. Help us to be agents of reconciliation. Help us to be agents of the gospel, Lord. Help us to be ambassadors for Christ in this world. And Father, help us not to be agents of, of division, Lord, but agents of, of unity through Christ. We Pray that in your name.